and dim, but to cheer us on our journey still, we sing this wayside hymn. Yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise, soon will be our home forever, and the smile of the blessed giver gladdens all our longing eyes. Here our feet are often weary on the hills that throng our way. Here the tempest starkly gathers, but our hearts within us say, Yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise, soon will be our home forever, and the smile of the blessed giver gladdens all our longing eyes. Here our souls are often fearful of the pilgrim's lurking foe, but the Lord is our defender, and he tells us we may know yonder over the rolling river where the shining mansions rise. Soon will be our homes forever, and the smile of the blessed giver gladdens all our longing eyes. Pray with me, please. Dear Gracious Father in Heaven, we do thank you for this another opportunity we have to come and sing praises to thy name, to offer our prayers and our praise to thee. Father, we are thankful for you watching over our families and keeping them safe. Uh, Father, we ask your continued guidance in our lives. Father, it is our prayer that we glorify thee in this life. Uh, Father, help us to have our eyes open to the opportunities presented to us from day to day. Father, give us the strength and courage to uh, truly take on those opportunities uh, that you truly may be glorified in this place. Father, be with those that are mentioned here this evening, those this morning, that those that have lost loved ones, those that are sick and ill. Father, we ask a special blessing upon them. Father, we do thank you for uh, the things you give us from day to day, the, food, the very food that we eat, the air that we breathe, the water we drink, and the shelters over our head. But more than these, Father, we are thankful for the blessings that are found in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful for the hope that we have in him. We are thankful for the life that he led, the death that he led in his resurrection, that we do have this hope of eternal life. Father, we continue to ask for uh, greater faith and trust in thee and greater love for you in uh, all things. Father, be with us throughout the remainder of the service. Be with us this week. Uh, encourage us to do the things that we should do, discouraging those things that are wrong. For these things to do, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song that will probably be uh, new to most of us, um, but it's a very easy song to, to, uh, to learn. It just, the, the verse and, and chorus, it's the exact same. It just repeats uh, from verse to verse to verse. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna sing this new song and and uh, try to learn this together. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and 
perfectly a great high priest whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me my name is graven on his hands my name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands no tongue can bid me then depart no tongue can bid me then depart when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin because the sinless Savior died my sinful soul is counted free for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me behold him there the risen lamb my perfect spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am the king of glory and of grace one with himself I cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is hid with Christ on high with Christ my Savior and my God with Christ my Savior my God now our song for the lesson will be victory in Jesus and if you would let's all stand as we sing the song together I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I Me on the crystal 
great to see everyone with us tonight. I know, as Don said, I know we have a lot of folks that are out this evening. Several folks went down to Walnut Grove, and I told, I told somebody if I didn't have to work tonight, I probably would have been there myself. So uh, I appreciate you being here. I keep looking for somebody to fess up. I don't know who did it, but I very meticulously this morning knew what I was going to preach on, and I carried some chairs in the auditorium, and I set them up here on the stage, and went out and talked to everybody, and Don got up to make the announcements, and I sat down in my seat, and I looked up, and my chairs were gone. Somebody was helping me, uh, but that, that was okay. I, was, I, I uh, just got tickled when I looked up there, and I said, where, where did my chairs go? <laughs> Tonight, I want us to start uh, a series that Jim and I are going to be dealing with over the next few months, and we just want to take a moment to look at the parables, at, at these stories that are familiar really to almost everybody in this room. Uh, stories that, that, that we could tell and people who aren't even Christians would have an awareness of because they have found a place in our society. There are parables that have changed the, the world that we live in and if we'll allow them, we'll change the way that we live our lives. And if you have a favorite parable, you know, if you have something, a parable that you'd really like to have addressed, let me know that. Let, let Jim know that and we'll be sure to include this in this series. But what I wanted us to do tonight is simply just take a moment to talk about what parables really are. You know, we, sometimes when I was growing up, the, the, the definition that I always heard about a parable is that a parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You remember being taught that when you were, when you were little? And that's really a pretty good definition of what a parable is. Uh, it's a story that has meaning. It's supposed to mean something to you. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to illustrate a biblical truth in your mind. And it's not that that biblical truth couldn't be stated by itself, but illustrations make things come alive to us, right? Uh, some people are master storytellers. Uh, are, are, during our meeting th th this last week, Brother Evans was extremely good at, at telling a story. And those stories would, would make things come alive. And, and you've known people who were just, you know, they really excelled at, at, at doing that. Well, Jesus was the master teacher. And throughout his ministry, he would employ these parables so that when people were dealing with some difficult concepts, maybe things that are difficult to understand, or maybe things that are just difficult to accept, they would become much simpler to people. 
Literally, a parable it means, means to, to lay something alongside. That we have this truth and I'm going to put this story and I'm going to lay it alongside so that, so that you can better understand or you can better appreciate it. It's a, a metaphor or, or a simile that is designed to reveal the kingdom of God. To help us to understand a spiritual truth. And one of the struggles that we have as human beings is that we are limited. We're limited with the words that we have. If you've ever tried to, to explain a feeling, if you've ever tried to, to explain an emotion, it's hard to do. And it may be something that, that we all know what it is, but it's hard to put it into words. You know, what, is, what does a skunk smell like? How do you describe that? I mean, you know, truthfully, I don't know if I have the words to describe what a skunk smells like. But we all know what a skunk smells like, don't we? Right? And so, well, we're, I just say that to say that we're limited with language. And that parables help us along. It helps us to, to get a little bit closer to that reality that, that maybe we all comprehend, but we struggle to put on our own level. And when Jesus taught, He understood that. He understood our limitations. He understood our strengths. And so when He taught, He used parables. The Bible says in Matthew 13 and verse 34, that all these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, and He did not speak to them without a parable, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. Have you ever had someone share a story or share an illustration with you, and when they shared that story, it just clicked? It just helped you to understand something in a way that, that you had missed before, or in, in, a, in a deeper way than you had before? That's the purpose of a parable. And that's why Jesus used parables. Parables help the pure of heart to a deeper spiritual insight and to have an appreciation for biblical truth. Now, I don't think that that's anything new for anyone in this room. As a matter of fact, typically when we think of parables, that's probably what we think of, right? They're a, a, they're a tool used to illustrate. That's that, heaven, that earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But in the Bible, and even in, in the teaching of Jesus, the purpose of parables went beyond simply illustrating. And I want us to understand that many times Jesus would use parables actually to conceal His message, to hide His message, which is kind of a foreign concept to us because we think, well, why would you ever want to hide your message? Why would you ever want to keep the message from people? Well, Jesus did that for several reasons. But we, we look in Mark chapter 4. In, in Mark chapter 4, the Bible says that He was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables in order that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they return and be forgiven. Now, you want to talk about a challenging passage of Scripture, that's a pretty challenging passage of Scripture. Jesus said, one of the reasons that I'm using parables is because there are people, there are people that... I don't want to get the message. And it's not that he doesn't want them to be saved. It's not that he doesn't want them to understand. But there are people that are listening to Jesus whose hearts are not pure. 
And as they come, they, they, they hear these stories, and, and, but they don't approach them from a, from a spiritual point of view. For example, you look over in Paul's writings where he begins to talk about the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, the, the, the death and the burial and the resurrection. And he says, I'm not ashamed of that. All right, That is the power of God unto salvation. That is at the core of everything that it means to be a Christian. Right? Right? That's what I mean. That has meaning to us. But he says to those who are outside the body of Christ, that is a bunch of foolishness. And he says, I know that. That's why God, you got to love this about him, that's why he chose for the message to be proclaimed by preachers. Isn't that, isn't that what Paul says? I mean, God, God could have communicated his message in a lot of ways. Our God created us. He can do whatever he wanted. And if he wanted, you know, he could, he could boom from the skies. Bill, this is God and I have a message for you. You know, he could have done that. He didn't do that. God chose to reveal himself through His Word. And God chose for that Word to be spread by you and by me and by His vessels in this world. Now, I don't know about you, but if I think about the all-powerful God, I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's a lot better way to get the message out, isn't there? But God didn't do that. God didn't choose one of those other ways. Why? Well, because He wants us he wants us to desire it. He wants us to work for it. He wants us to have that pure, that pure heart wherein we grow within His Word, wherein we actually choose to follow Him. He says this about those parables, that when people hear them, while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Can you remember when you think back to things that may be simple to you now in your relationship with Christ, the first time that you heard someone talk about them, or maybe you think back to a time when you weren't so concerned about spiritual things, but you maybe you were just showing up. I think back to when I was a teenager, and I was probably doing a whole lot more showing up than I was worshiping God. And I would hear, I would hear the same message proclaimed that might, have, that might have meant the world to someone else, that might, that might have inspired other people. And it really didn't mean a whole lot to me. Well, the message wasn't the problem. It was my heart that was the problem. And Jesus, even more so than we face probably today, when he preached, he was, he was surrounded by all sorts of people. Some of the people that were around him were, were the hard-hearted Pharisees. These, these were the individuals who were simply there just to see what he was going to say. But, but, but not because they wanted to obey they were there because they wanted to trap him. They wanted to catch him. And the reality was, it didn't matter what he said, they weren't going to respond. We see those who looked at the miracles of Christ and looked at the miracles of the apostles. You remember, you remember this in, in, the book of, in the book of Acts with, with the apostles? And, and they begin to talk about, the, the Sanhedrin begins to talk about these things. And they say, the, the, the fact that miracles are occurring, nobody can deny that. And I look at that and I say, well, then, then you've got you've to listen. You've, you've got to do what he says. I mean, surely you wouldn't have it. But they didn't. They said, we just got to shut them up because their hearts were hard. It's that same message that, Jesus, that, that, that Peter preached and that Stephen preached. But there were some who had, who had good hearts who responded to the gospel. And there were some who had hard hearts and they rejected the gospel. Jesus preached to those people. There were people in his audience that were not for him. And he understood that. There were people who were there 
who had shallow thinking. People who were disinterested in, in the superficial things. They didn't really want to go deep. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to be around all the amazing things, but, but they didn't want to go deep. You remember, we see the crowds. Thousands of people followed Jesus everywhere that He went, right? I mean, He, he had to feed 5,000 people at, at one time. We wouldn't know what to do with 5,000 people, but they were all following around this man and, and, and his disciples because they wanted to follow him. But, but what happened? When Jesus began to challenge them, when Jesus began to push them, when, when Jesus began to talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, what happened? They went home. They weren't interested in going that extra step. They weren't interested in the depth. Jesus said, you're, you're just here to get a meal. You're just here because you want to see a miracle. You want me to feed you again. Those are the people that, that, he was, that he was preaching to. There were also people who had very divided allegiances. There were those who were struggling. Were they really followers of Christ? Or would they, or would they retain the tenets of Judaism? Would they follow Christ? Or, or, or would they maintain a complete loyalty to their own civil government? And of course, there were also those who were following People like John and his disciples who had good and honest hearts and who approached the message of Jesus and said, I want to do what is right. And whatever it is that you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Whether I expect it, whether I like it, whether, whether I enjoy it, none of that mattered. I just want to do what's right. And the truth is, in this world today, there are all sorts of those kinds of people still. But when Jesus preached, He understood. And for that reason, He used parables. Because parables, to those who had pure and honest and good hearts, could make that heavenly truth come alive in their lives. But to those who were simply there, not because they wanted to do what was right, they were simply there with a hard heart, or they were there trying, trying to, to bring about uh, some difficulties, trying to, to, to catch Him. To them, the message was hidden. Jesus says, Jesus says in Matthew, 6, Matthew 7 and verse 6, He says, Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Jesus always had an understanding of who He was talking to. And the invitation in the gospel was there for anyone to hear and for anyone to respond to. But Jesus understood the hearts and the minds of the people that He preached to. You know, one of the interesting things about Jesus as He gets into discussion, and I think it's a, a powerful lesson for us to learn, is that Jesus did not feel obligated to answer every question that people brought to Him. You know, sometimes I think that we do. Don't we? I mean, we, we think about biblical passages to, that, that, that talk about always being ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the, uh, the reason for the hope that is within you. And we've taken that to mean if someone asks us anything, we have to give them the answer for that thing. I don't think that's what that's saying at all. I think it's the responsibility that we have to tell people why we have hope. But when people came and asked Jesus questions, very seldom did He give them even a straight answer. Sometimes he would simply refuse, he would refuse to answer their questions because he knew the motivation behind them. Sometimes he would simply ask them a question to help them to see 
that their motivation wasn't pure. Jesus had a, a great advantage that we don't have, that he knew people's hearts and minds. But at the same time, there's a principle there for us. We need to be careful about those things. I, I am all for people, people who are honestly desiring truth. And we can tackle any subject, and we can deal with any matter that the Word of God deals with. But we must approach those things with a pure heart. We must approach those things as we come together on Sunday morning and Sunday night and in our Bible classes and in our homes. We must approach those things with that heart and that desire that says, I want to know Christ better. I want to know more of Him and I want to know more of His Word. And whatever I see revealed within His Word, that's what I'm going to be and that's what I'm going to do and that's what I'm going to strive for. And if we don't have that attitude, well then we really waste our breath a lot of times in, 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 our, in our conversation. Because we may prove a point, but it's really made no difference because the heart was not there in the first place. And so Jesus used parables not only to illustrate, but many times He used parables to obscure the truth from those who were without pure hearts. And I think that sometimes we miss that when we talk about the parables. I want us to consider, and we're not going to, I'm going to cut this short tonight, because I don't think this is too new for anyone, but, but as we approach these parables, here's one thing I want us to remember, what I would call the, the number one rule for parables. Keep the central point and the immediate context in very clear focus. You know, one of the, one of the mistakes that I think sometimes people make with parables, as well as any symbolic sort of literature, is we want to make everything mean something. Uh, you see this a lot of times with apocalyptic literature. We turn over to the book of Revelation and, and people are taking every, every letter and every number and every little minute thing and they're making that stand for something. And if you've ever been, if, you, if you've ever read those books or been in those classes where you have teachers that, 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 are, that are doing that, what do you miss? Many times you miss the message. You miss the main point. And I'm not saying that there's not symbolism in things, but, but for us to overreach where the Bible doesn't reach. There are times, there are times when, when, when the Bible will break things down for us. I think, about, I think about the parable of the sower. You remember that parable? Or sometimes called the parable of the soils there in Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus, Jesus tells this parable about the sower that went out to sow. And he says that some of, the, some of the seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them. And some fell in the rocky places and it, where it didn't have much soil and it sprang up, but because it had no depth of soil, it died. Th there were some that fell amongst the thorns and there were some that fell amongst the good soil. And we have this long parable. But interestingly enough, the people come back to Jesus after he talks about some other things. And he says, but... Tell me about that parable you just told us about. What did that mean? And Jesus actually gives an explanation beginning in verse 18, other in Matthew 13. This is what that stands for. This is what the rocky soil is. This is what the thorny place is. This is what the good soil is. And he walks us through those things. And so I know what all those things mean. But when he doesn't give us an explanation like that, I need to focus in on what is the main point that he's trying to bring me to. And beyond that... What's been going on besides this? What's he been talking to the people about? We're going to talk about the parable of the elder brother 
as we, as we come along. We typically call it the parable of the prodigal son. And there are great messages that, that could come from the prodigal son. But the context there is not just about God's forgiveness. The context of that parable is that Jesus has been going around forgiving a lot of people. And the Pharisees didn't like that He was forgiving these people. And so He tells them this parable about all of these lost things and how heaven rejoices in these things. And then He tells this parable about, about this lost son who was, who was fallen away and comes, back to, and comes back to his father. And there's a brother who doesn't like the fact that he was forgiven. That's really the point of that parable. And we'll talk more about that and elaborate more of that. But the context tells us that. And sometimes we, we have to keep that in our minds. What's been going on around this? And what is that, what is that, if I could boil it down to maybe one or two things, what is he trying to get across in these things? I love the parables, and, and I think that this is going to be an exciting series for us on Sunday nights because they speak such deep truths, but they do so in a way that's just almost difficult to miss. We're going to talk about that pearl of great price. We're going to talk about that elder brother. We're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. Do you realize how many hospitals, how many, how many good deeds have been done in our world simply because 2,000 years ago there was a parable told about a Samaritan who helped another man? I mean, it's had a major impact in our world and hopefully has had a major impact in our lives. And we're going to see that. I want us to close tonight with a parable from Luke chapter 18. A parable that we're all familiar with. But the Bible says in Luke 18 and verse 9 that He also told this parable to certain ones, to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. He said there were two men who went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. You know, it's possible that Jesus simply could have uttered those last words. Don't exalt yourself. Humble yourself. But doesn't it have so much more meaning as we think about those two men that came to worship God? And doesn't it take on flesh? And can't we all relate to that haughtiness of that Pharisee who depended, who depended upon himself and looked at others with contempt? You see, the message is that you must not depend upon yourself. Because by yourself, you'll never be justified. But we must be like that man who understands his sin who understands his dependency upon God, who understands that if we live this life and one day go to heaven and we have that true success in our lives, we will only do so 
by the power and by the grace of God. That's the message that he wants us to get from that parable. That he wants us to remember when we come to worship him. And he wants us to remember when we live our lives each day. And he wants us to remember when we find ourselves far away from him. We have a God who is there for us to turn to, but we must turn to him. Friends, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, it's time to become a Christian. If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized into Christ, it's time that you get into Christ. If you're here tonight and you lived a life that was more about yourself than it was about God, it's time to make it about God. The invitation's for you tonight. Come as we stand and as we sing. song tonight. <clears throat> Be this world is not my home. We'll sing uh, the first and fourth verse of this song. <clears throat> this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. 
The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I forgot to announce, we'll pause, we'll sing the last verse. The Lord's Supper has been left prepared. If you'll make your way out this way, if you haven't been able to take it, to uh, my right and your left, and you'll be shown in the classroom where to, where to do that. <clears throat> we'll sing this last verse together. Just up in glory land will live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their song of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let us pray. <clears throat> Our God and Heavenly Father, we bow before you this day to give thanks, Father, for this opportunity again tonight that we've had to come together to study thy word, Father, to be with you and to hear the gospel preached again tonight. Father, we're thankful for your many blessings and especially thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, that died upon the cross. Father, we thank you for your many blessings and thank you for the church that gathers at this place. We ask you, Father, to be with us and forgive us of our sins. And we know that there are many that are sick tonight, and we pray that you continue to be with them. And we ask a special prayer for Nettie Sue as she battles cancer, Father. And we pray that you'd be with her and comfort her and give her strength and be with her family and those that are attending unto her. Father, we thank you, and we love you, and we appreciate the things you do for us. And we pray that you'd forgive us and watch over us this week as we depart from this place. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.